in the last chapter of When You Trap a Tiger, chapter 12, Lily and Halumi were at the library and Lily bumped into Ricky and his dad. Ricky and his dad were having words and Halumi spoke to Ricky's dad and at the end of the chapter, Lily really thought that her Halumi had helped make things better between Ricky and his dad. Chapter 13. Sam waits until we're in the car, driving back home, and then she bursts out laughing. I can't believe you fell over like that. That was awesome. Thanks, I say with sarcasm, I learned from her. She laughs some more and I shake my head, but now that it's over, it doesn't seem quite so bad. And then Halomi, Sam continues, turning to Halomi, who's hunched over and squinting at the road ahead. She was right, it did start raining, and because of my serial disaster, we're caught in it. I feel a little bit bad because I know Halomi didn't want to drive in the rain, but it's okay. We're not too far from home. I can't believe you made those guys help, and then you lectured them like that, Sam says. Halomi nods. When something wrong happened, you fix it. I can't tell if the wrong thing was me knocking over cereal boxes, or what Ricky's dad said, or maybe both. Sam shrugs. Okay, but honestly, that man was a jerk. You were way nicer than he deserved. Halomi glances over at Sam, then at me, her eyes serious. When I very little, before my mum leave, she tell me something important. She say, Echa, learn this. Everybody have good and bad in them. But sometimes they so focused on sad, scary stories in life that they forget the good. When that happened, you don't tell them they are bad. That only make it worse. You remind them of the good. I turn her words over in my head. Is that why sad stories are dangerous, Halmoni? Because they make people bad? She starts to answer, but a cough steals her words and she shudders. Maybe it's just the shadows of raindrops hitting the windshield and the fading evening light, but I notice that she looks pale. Her skin is splotchy. She shudders again, and Sam glances back and forth between Halmoni and the road. Halmoni, road, Halmoni, Sam asks. She puts her hand on Halmoni's shoulder and is about to say something when the car shudders, too. Sam grips her armrest. What's wrong? Halmoni, are you okay? Halmoni doesn't answer. She stares straight ahead, shaking her head slightly. I follow her gaze, and I see the tiger. It stands right in front of us, eyes locked on Halmoni's. And the weirdest thing, it's like it's not raining around the tiger. The tiger isn't getting wet, as if there's a protective bubble around it where the rain refuses to fall. I turn to Halmoni, and I can tell she sees it too. Not yet, she mutters, eyes straight ahead. Not ready yet. 
Heart racing, I stuffed my hand into my pocket, feeling for the mugwort. Hamoni swerves suddenly. The wheels skid through the rain and my seatbelt slices into my shoulder. The car dives to the side of the road and Sam screams, and I think I do too. When we come to a stop, panting, gasping, I can't even see straight. Halmoni, Sam asks again, but Halmoni starts coughing uncontrollably. In the rearview mirror, Halmoni's whole face puckers like a sour plum seed. Then Halmoni's in motion, and we can't stop her. She opens her door and hobbles over to the side of the road, clutching her stomach, hunched. She drops to her knees and her body shakes as she coughs. Sam and I rush out of the car, and I spin around looking for the tiger, but it's gone. Hamoni throws up into the grass and I wrap my arms around my chest. This is more than a bug. I stand on the side of the road, in the rain, paralyzed, as I watch her. When something wrong happens, we're supposed to fix it. But what if there's nothing we can do? When Sam turns to me, her face is moon-white and her eyes are wide. What do we do? she asks which isn't fair because she's supposed to know. Big sisters are not supposed to get scared. Little sisters get scared, and then big sisters comfort them and say, it's okay, I'll be the moon. Seriously, what do we do? She repeats, as if saying it louder, she can demand an answer from the universe. Halmoni heaves a sound raw and heavy, and I try not to hear it. We should call 911. I say, only it comes out as a question. Sam shakes her head. You don't call 911 for vomit. But she doesn't sound so sure. She holds her phone in her hand, staring at it like she wants it to make the decision for her. Do something, I whisper. And Sam stares back, eyes wide, hand shaking. Mom, Hamoni gasps. Call you mom. Sam dials, and ten minutes later, Mom's tires screech against the road behind us. She throws her car into park behind Halmoni's, and we are saved from having to save our Halmoni. Mom's still in her interview clothes, still in work mode, and she shouts at us as she runs over to help Halmoni up. What's going on? What are you doing out here? She's not supposed to drive. Why didn't you call me sooner? Sam, I told you to call me if anything went wrong. Only, she's not really talking to us because she's busy with Halmoni. She dabs Halmoni's lips with a tissue, rubs her back. She used to do that to Sam and me when we got sick. Okay, we're the kids. And Halmoni is her mom, so everything is upside down. Mom pulls a pill out of her purse and tries to slip it into Halmoni's mouth. Halmoni turns away, protesting, but Mom insists. I turn to Sam, looking for answers, but Sam doesn't see me. She's too busy staring at Halmoni, chewing her thumbnail so hard I'm afraid it might bleed. I need to take Halmoni to the hospital, Mom says. Sam, can you drive Lily back? Sam's frozen. She can't even answer. Mom swears, fine, fine, I'll drop you at home first. We're close enough. All of you into the car. We're going now. 
Sam and I get into the back seat of Mom's car without question, and Mom lifts Hamoni into the passenger side. Is Hamoni okay? I ask. Mom doesn't answer, so I stare out the window. Above us, the first few stars peek out of the evening sky, and I ask them a silent question. What do I do? The stars seem to dance as we drive past, and even though they are light lifetimes away, I can almost hear them singing their stories. What do I do? I ask again. They wink at me. Fix it. Chapter 14. I wake up in the middle of the night. Sam's still sleeping. She was up later than me, waiting for Mom and Halmoni. I don't know if they came home. And I can't stand not knowing. I can't stand feeling helpless, like I have to fix it. But I don't know how. Quietly, I walk downstairs. Mom's sleeping on the couch, and I crack Halmoni's door open. Inside, she's wrapped in a cocoon of silk sheets, and I feel dizzy with relief. Halmoni's okay. I press my hand against the wall to keep from tipping over. I want to go to her, but the image of her in the road burns in my brain. Leftover fear sits in my chest. For now, it's enough just to know she's all right. So I shut the door. As I do, the house groans, shattering the silent night. Shadows dance around me. And from behind me, someone says, Hello, Lily. It's a gravelly female voice. It scrapes against my ears like claws on rice paper. I've been searching for your family for a long, long time. I spin around, trying to find the source of the voice. But there's nobody else in the room except for Mum, who's still sleeping. My rabbit heart panics, pounding against my ribs like it wants to escape. Oh, come on now. I'm not that scary. The voice seems to come from all around me, from inside me even. It echoes in my chest. The shadows in the kitchen start to take shape, shifting and stretching, and then they come together, forming one shape. The giant shadow steps forward into the starlight, and it becomes the tiger, big as a car, filling the whole hallway. You talk, I whisper, and then without meaning to, I add, and you're a girl. I clamp my lips shut, because what a ridiculous thing to say. She scoffs. Typical. You hear one story about a male tiger and think we're all the same. Humans are the worst. She takes a step toward me and I press myself back. My shoulder blades dig into Halmoni's door. Maybe I'm trapped in an elaborate dream, but I don't think so. I feel the chill in the air, the brush of goosebumps on my arm, the warped wood beneath my feet, and the pinch in my shoulders as I press them back. Dreams are not made of details. Are nightmares? I glance over at Mom on the couch, but she just snores. Don't worry, the tiger says. Your mother won't be bothering us. My whole body clenches, but the tiger rolls her eyes. She's a heavy sleeper. A not small part of my brain is screaming, You are talking to a tiger. A tiger is talking to you. This is for sure impossible.
I feel a little dizzy. Go away, I tell her. The tiger steps closer, tail swishing back and forth. She tilts her head and flicks an ear. Why so hostile, little egg? I am not going to eat you. Just so you know, I'm on a kimchi diet. I stare at her. This is the monster Hamoni warned me about. She makes a sound that's halfway between a purr and a growl. Your Hamoni stole the stars, and I am here to collect them. That is all. Will you help me, little one? My mouth is so dry I can barely form the word, but I manage. No. She sighs. You humans understand so little of the world, and your Halmoni can't see what she's done. She doesn't see what's harming her. I only want to help her. Trust me. I shake my head because Halmoni told me not to trust tigers, and it's pretty clear that the tiger is harming her. The tiger was in the road when Halmoni got sick. The tiger scared her. But the big cat continues. Story magic is powerful, powerful enough to change someone. And when a story is locked away, its magic only grows. Sometimes it grows sour. The magic becomes a kind of poison. Do you understand? I refuse to respond. I won't let her twist lies around my heart. Lily Bean, if you return those stories to me, your harmony will feel better. If they, lock, if they stay locked away, they will make her sick. They will, her teeth flash, eat her up. You're lying, I say, but my voice cracks. I'm offering a deal. You help me find the stories. I'll return them to their place in the sky, and you never have to think about them again. I get my stars back, and we help your harmony. You don't even have to hear the stories. Everybody wins. The tiger shifts her weight, paw to paw, and her fur glistens in the starlight. Do you want to be a hero? Here's the scariest part. Something deep inside me says yes. I am never the hero, not like Halmoni, and part of me wants to be. I bite my lips so my yes won't escape. You should know, her voice is so deep it vibrates through me, this is your one chance to help your Halmoni. I won't offer again. Halmoni told me to be careful, and just the thought of making a deal with the tiger rips my stomach to shreds. But there's so much Hamoni didn't tell me. There's so much she's kept hidden. So much I want to know. What if the tiger's right? What if these stolen star stories are making Hamoni sick? I am frozen, trapped in my own thoughts. This is my problem. This is why Sam calls me a QAG. I'm so afraid of saying the wrong answer that I don't say anything at all. For a few stretched out moments, the tiger waits. Then she shakes her head. Already she's fading into shadow. I was hoping you'd surprise me. I think of Halmoni tonight and how helpless I felt and how I need to fix this. Wait, I call out. I'll do it. But I'm too late. 
Her stripes blur into blackness, and she's gone.